Praise the Lord. He is everything to me. That is so true. Wow, great. Very encouraging. Take your Bibles, please. Let's take a look at the Word of God, because He is everything to us. He has done everything for us, and we, in return, worship Him. Take your Bibles. Go with me to the book of Philemon. My goal by the end of the year is to not only preach through the biggest book in the one of the biggest books in the Bible, Isaiah, 66 chapters, but I will I will take you verse by verse, actually word by word, through the book of Philemon, the very shortest well not the shortest, but it is a short book in the Bible. Find the book of Philemon right after first and second Timothy and Titus. We'll just spend a short time. I won't be able to get into the text at all. We'll just be setting up the background and I want to give you some some thoughts about forgiveness. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word of God that you have recorded this treasured letter for us. Not only a picture of our human relationships where forgiveness must be extended, but also it is the glorious picture of the Lord Jesus and his offering of forgiveness for our sins the laying on of our sins upon his body and his righteousness freely bestowed to us. We are unworthy. We are undeserving of of redemption. That's the whole point of grace. It is not merited. Thank you, Father, for your goodness, your mercy, and your justice. Where our sin was dealt with, it's just that Jesus had to take it instead of us. He had to take it upon himself. So help us to learn, maybe tonight even a little more, of uh, our human relationships that come out of a relationship with you. Thank you again for our family. Thank you for our friends. Thank you for the church family. We just rejoice in how you are putting together such a wonderful body of believers. And may Jesus be praised as we grow. Amen. So Philemon, as, as I mentioned, it is a beautiful picture of... Forgiveness extended in human relationships. But I think even the greater picture is the forgiveness that God has bestowed upon us. So let me share with you just the setting. That's all we'll get to tonight. And then I'll give you just a few points about forgiveness. So we see here in the first couple of verses, verse 1, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. He's the one that's authoring this letter. And Timothy, our brother, Timothy is with him. It is written to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved Athea, Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. I'm going to introduce to you four people in in this wonderful book. Four people found in the book of Philemon that we can study and we can learn. The first one here... Um, obviously is Philemon. Let me tell you what we know about Philemon. Philemon is a wealthy homeowner. Wealthy man. He has a church in his house. Most likely, this church in his house. Sorry about that, Jim. This church in his house. There we go. He has a church in his house. Maybe in the ancient days, we, we, not maybe, we know that they had these large atriums where you would walk into the house and there would be a large atrium, maybe with an open garden and some pillars or things like that. But it would be a place for, for about 40 to 50 people, like this size group, to be able to assemble. And Philemon is a believer, a wealthy believer. At some point, he understands the true gift of Jesus Christ and he places his faith in Jesus. And then he opens his door to the church. We have some missionaries of our own that we support that live in foreign countries 
countries and they open their house to the church. And I've been there before when 40, 50, 60 believers come into somebody's living room and that's where they hold church. So we know that Philemon is a wealthy believer, but we also know that he is a slave owner. He owns slaves, which a large portion of the Roman population, the Roman Empire, a large portion of them were slaves. Slaves were everything from teachers to doctors to uh, laborers of all stripes and of all kinds. And so many, many people were involved in, in the slave system that, that held Rome together, and Philemon owned at least one slave. So he's the first man that we're introduced to. Uh, he lives in a city called Colossi. Right? We know that he lives in Colossi, and we find that out from um, other books of the Bible, from Colossians. But um, Colossi is located by the seven churches of Revelation. You can go right through the seven churches, this little circuit, in, in right now it's um, western Turkey. But you can go visit all seven churches, uh, as I did one year. And then I, I ended up in Colossi. I, if I were to take you right now and fly you into uh, Kusadasi or Ephesus, we could go from Kusadasi across the valley, and we would come to Colossi, which is a farmer's field. And Colossi is really just a mound of dirt. Nobody has excavated Colossi yet. I know I was standing up on this mound that underneath that pile of dirt lay archaeological treasures beyond imagination. Tremendous ones, I think, of this ancient, ancient city of Colossae. And as I walked over the ancient city of Colossae, which is still right now just dirt, I know at one point I must have crossed Philemon's house. Wouldn't that be exciting to know? I walked over his house one of those times. Well, anyways, this is Philemon. Now, let me introduce to you a second person. A second person in the story is Onesimus. So Paul is writing on behalf of Onesimus, and I want you to look at uh, a couple of verses here. Verse 10, Philemon verse 10, I appeal to you, Paul's writing to Philemon, he says, I appeal, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains. So Onesimus is a slave of Philemon. Now, Colossae to Rome is about a thousand miles. I don't know, what's a thousand miles away from here? Des Moines is 400, double that. You, you, okay, you're talking a thousand miles is quite a ways away. So here we have in Colossae, Philemon with his house and his slave Onesimus, and somehow Onesimus escapes Philemon and goes across a thousand miles and ends up in the city of Rome and of all people that Onesimus runs into, into the, in the gigantic city of Rome is none other than the Apostle Paul. And he is brought into Paul's rented house because Paul is in prison. You'll hear about him next. And there, he, Paul displays the great gospel message of Jesus and Onesimus is begotten again. He's born again. All right. Now what else do we know about Onesimus? Look at verse 18. But if he has wronged you, or owes you anything, or if he has wronged you or owes anything, put that on my account. Paul says, listen, there might have been and probably was some sinful conduct, some misconduct, um, some sinful behavior that Onesimus has been involved in. If, when he escaped from your house, Philemon, he owes you anything, I will pay for it. Wow. What a great picture of salvation. What do we owe God? We owe God death, separation from him for all eternity. But Jesus came and said, if, if mankind owes anything on their account, put it on me instead. 
And the Father put it on Jesus on the cross. So do you see the picture displayed here? Philemon, a wealthy slave owner who has a church in his house in Colossae, has a slave which is, whose name is Onesimus steal from him. We don't know what else, but maybe he stole some things. But he did leave. He escaped. Philemon has every right to put Onesimus to death. He does. Onesimus is his property. And when Onesimus comes back or is captured, Philemon has every right to put any punishment he wants, he wants onto Onesimus. Oh, whatever it might be. Even death. Now, how would you feel if you were Onesimus? And you're in Rome, and Paul is telling you, Onesimus, go back to Philemon. It's the right thing to do. How would you feel if you were Onesimus? A runaway slave, probably a, a, a robber, stealing from your master, knowing when you knock on that door, Philemon could open that door and say, I'm glad you're here. You go into the backyard, we're going to crucify you right now. So this is Onesimus. But again, he's born again. He's a runaway slave who was born again. And he's called the, uh, the son of Paul. So Paul, uh, we know, led him to the Lord while Paul was in a rented house in prison. Let me introduce to you the third person, Paul. Of course, Paul is the apostle. He's in a rented house in Rome. This is his fourth missionary journey. He had taken three journeys, been arrested. He took that. Remember that? Remember when I preached through the book of Acts? And in the end of Acts, there was that wild shipwreck. Do you guys remember that story of how Paul, Paul was taking the ship to Rome? And he, he kept telling them, don't travel right now. The weather's bad. Don't travel right now. And they traveled anyways. And then there was this wild tempest that for two weeks shook the, the ship. And the ship was being broken up and and for two weeks, nonstop, and it was so dark and stormy that you couldn't tell night from day. That, remember that whole scene? And then where does God throw that, that ship? In the middle of the sea on an island. Remember that? How that ship, in the middle of a tempest, could land on that exact island? Only God could do that. That's where Paul reached into that pile and uh, was bit by a snake and he survived. You know that story. Well, he made his way to Rome, and here he is in a rented house. And what's his attitude in the rented house? Giving the gospel. I want to share the gospel to everybody I can. He could have been angry at God. He could have been bitter at God. But here he is for at least two years in a rented house, unable to travel around and propagate the gospel. But everybody he comes in contact with, he's giving the gospel. And Onesimus is one of those men that Paul meets, shares the gospel while he's in chains, and... Uh, Doing God's, doing God's will and God's glory, for God's glory. And then the fourth person I want to, meet, to introduce to you in the whole text. We have Philemon. Can you almost get a picture of him? This wealthy owner. You can picture almost Onesimus. You can see Paul in chains as the aged apostle after years of ministry being hard on him. And then there's the fourth person. You know who the fourth person is? It's not Aphia. I think Aphia is Philemon's wife. And it's not Archippus, although that would be interesting, because I think it's his son. I think the fourth person is the most important. It's God. It's God working in the whole scene. All right? God is working in the scene. What's he doing? Here's where we'll close the text, and I'll give you just a few thoughts on forgiveness. Paul says, Onesimus, go back to Philemon. I will write a letter. You give it to Philemon. Now Philemon is going to get this text, and when he reads it, He's going to have a choice. 
is he going to take Onesimus in and not only have a slave, but have a son, have a family member, taking your slave and making him not just your slave, but also bringing him into your family, that type of thing? Or will he reject Onesimus and not forgive this man? So it really it hinges on, will Philemon forgive or will he not? And as we study the text in the, in the months to come, as we go through it verse by verse, you'll be amazed at all the detail that is in this little text. But that's the main point. How will Philemon respond when someone who has wronged him comes to the door? You know, will he extend forgiveness because God forgave Philemon? Or will he reject Onesimus? So let me give you some thoughts on forgiveness. Here we go. Unforgiveness imprisons you. Unforgiveness imprisons you. If Philemon does not forgive, he is going to be imprisoned. Let me read this text to you. It's Ephesians chapter 4, 26 and 27. Listen carefully to this. Ephesians chapter 4, 26 and 27. Um, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. The idea here is, yes, we can be angry at people, but do not sin. Do not sin in the anger. And it says, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. How often should we forgive? How quick should we be to forgive? Do not let the sun go down on your unrighteous anger. Don't let the sin go down. I'm sorry, the sun go down on your anger uh, if you are still angry. Because if you do, you carry that, forgive, you know, that unforgiveness on and on and on. And you are always in prison to the past. You're always looking back and saying, they did that to me. They wronged me. I have this on their account. And it imprisons you to the past. It, it's like this. It keeps the sore open. You know, people, I, don't, I know some people that uh, in school, they get like a sore, and they keep picking it. I know, it's, school's not very sanitary. And I'm always like, stop picking the sore. If you stop picking it, what will happen? It'll, it'll heal. But if you keep ripping it open every single day, it's going to be bloody for days to come. Unforgiveness, it imprisons you in the past. It keeps the sore open. You can never move on. It's there. It, just, it bothers you. It, it aggravates you. It frustrates you. And it accumulates hard feelings, anger and bitterness. When you forgive, it, literally it, it opens the door and, and lets the prisoner out. Secondly, I want you to think about this. Unforgiveness produces bitterness. Because if you keep angry with somebody, um, you will get bitter. This unforgiveness will produce bitterness. I can imagine Philemon was angry, and I bet he was bitter towards Onesimus. And if he doesn't forgive Onesimus, he's going to get more bitter and more bitter, more frustrated with this man. He'll remember the offense, and he'll replay it over and over. Oh, I remember the night Onesimus left, and he stole this and this. Now I'm lost without a worker. I've lost, I've lost honor in my community because to lose a slave, a runaway slave, is to lose honor. And if you lose honor in the Roman culture, that is the worst thing you could ever do. And so he's been shamed, he's been hurt, he's been offended. And then he remembers the offense. He gets bitter. He plays it over and over and over. He becomes, he becomes hardened. He begins to have a mal- malignant view of everybody. 
Everybody now is a danger and a threat to him. And everybody is a known SMS. Nobody, I can't trust anybody now. You're going to hurt me. You're going to hurt me. You're going to hurt me. And on and on and on. So not only are they imprisoned in the past, but it produces bitterness. You know what Hebrews 12 says? Bitterness, once it enters, it defiles the whole thing. And if bitterness enters the church, it defiles the whole church. But then also, um, we saw in Ephesians 4, unforgiveness, it does give a location for the devil. Right? It does give a location for the devil. When we are not uh, able to forgive, it, it, uh, the devil can move in an unforgiving heart because um, God is forgiving. It is God's nature to forgive, and it is the devil's not to. So, um, and then finally, we know that unforgiveness does break fellowship with God. That uh, since God is a forgiving and a merciful God, he wants us to be like him. That uh, even in... in Matthew 18, what do we do? We seek reconciliation quickly, right? Immediately. And again, it just depends on the circumstance. Now, I'm not saying that there's not consequences. Do you think Onesimus suffered some consequences? You bet he did. So unforgiveness doesn't mean there's not consequences. I'm sorry, forgiveness doesn't mean you forget the consequences. It doesn't mean the hurt never happened. It just means that you would not hold it against them. You wouldn't hold that hurt against them. It frees you up from being imprisoned in the past, and never being able to move on into um, greater relationships. All right, so this is what Philemon's going to have to deal with. And the question is once, and I, I encourage you to read the book of Philemon over and over, and just look for all the details of what Paul is asking Philemon to do and why. What's the, what's the motive for Philemon to forgive? And then, uh, now do we know if he actually forgave Onesimus? Does anybody know? Did Philemon receive Onesimus as a son? We just don't know. I mean, we just don't know. I, I wish there was a Philemon too that would talk about how it all worked out after the first family supper. But we don't have those details. We don't know what, Ones- what Philemon did. But um, we, know what, we do know what, what Paul was asking him to do. And again, forgiveness does not mean that the wrong never happened. It, it doesn't. Although God never remembers my sin, does, can God, who is all-knowing, can he ever forget anything? Well, no, he can't. So even though, you know what he'll never do, though? He'll never mention it and bring it up to my hurt. But he, he, in that sense, it's wiped clean. All right? So again, just um, we want to look at all of our, our earthly relationships and family and friends. and um, Relationships are hard. They're hard work. But God wants us to forgive and to be, uh, to be forgiven because he has forgiven us so much. Father, thank you for just this beginning to think about Philemon and the situation between a wealthy slave owner that is a godly man with a church in his house, and then we have a slave who runs away as an evil man, and he gets born again, and now he has to go back, and things have to be made right. Then we have Paul, who's imprisoned, wanting to do your will, and he wants to see a human relationship reconciled, and he writes a beautiful letter of appeal to Philemon, but really we see you in all of this. You have extended forgiveness to us. You have forgiven us our full debt, and we are so thankful for that. And so we know that through your grace, we would be able to do the same to others. So help us to grow in these areas. Help us to love and to, to be um, compassionate, but, um, but also, uh, Father, we want to be like you. We want to trust you as you work these things out. And we know that Um, Even when forgiveness is extended, not every relationship is back to normal, but at least the hurt is gone and the pain is is over 
uh, the pain is free and, and we're no longer imprisoned in the past. Thank you again, Father, for this book of Philemon. And, and, and as we study it sometime this year, help us to remember all these details and principles to put into practice. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.